0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. Uh, my name is Harrison Spittler, I'm one of your pastors here at EP. Uh, do you know we moved here two years ago today? Time, time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, contrary to popular belief, we did not bring the pandemic with us. It just arrived shortly thereafter. Let's go to God's Word and read together, beginning in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, these are hard things to understand. I pray that you would give us wisdom, understanding from your word. Father, these things are even harder uh, to put into practice in our lives, at least for me. So, Father, I pray that you'll break through the hardness of our hearts. Father, break through those places where the world has informed our hearts and catechized our hearts and shaped who we are. Father, and reshape us, reform us, remake us according to To your spirit. And Father, now for this one that would proclaim your word, I pray, Lord, I beg of you that you would be honored and glorified. Father, that I would decrease and you would increase. For you are worthy, you are so worthy of all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. Yet not I, but through Christ, in me. Amen. Amen. When I was a a junior in high school, uh, I was wrestling. I was a wrestler. I remember one particular day I was wrestling in a uh, in practice, wanting to meet just to practice. And my wrestling partner that day was uh, was Bobby. Bobby was uh, a year older than I was and about twenty pounds heavier. And and probably 10 years more experience as a wrestler. Uh, He was tougher. He was leaner. He was meaner. He was all those things. In in practice, I was in the down position, and Bobby was behind me, and and he had a, a grip on my elbow. And the way you get your elbow free, or one way you get your elbow free in that position, is as soon as the whistle blows. You drive it back and twist it and then pull it forward. And he lets go of your elbow. Bobby also had his head down on my right side, which is not where it should have been, so it's his fault, really. And so when, when I did this, this elbow connected with his nose. And it broke, um, and blood went. And um, Bobby was 20 pounds heavier than I was. Believe it or not, I was 132 pounds. He was 155. And if he had taken this, this passage literally, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, my nose would have been broken that day. <laughs> and it would have hurt. Bobby didn't do that, thankfully. He did tie me in so many knots that I remember those knots to this day. We were good friends he could have exacted revenge upon me and he did not he did not and yet that's not the norm the norm is that when we're hurt we hurt back when someone says evil things about us we say evil things back we retaliate we make it a a science of how to revenge the best This passage is is one of the most misunderstood, misapplied passages in all of Scripture. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Both of those things get taken out of context. The first part of that, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, Jesus is quoting back to Exodus chapter 21, 24. Let me go back to, to there and read it, read it for you. Beginning in verse 23 of Exodus 21. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Oh, joy. The passage is not saying either in Exodus Or here in Matthew 5, that if someone wounds you, you're to wound them in the same way. It is required. That is not at all what it's saying. It's not saying if someone breaks your hand, you're to break their hand. If you're to break their nose, if if they break your nose, you're to break their nose. If they take someone's life, you are to take their life. That's not at all what this is saying. What this was doing in Exodus and what Jesus is doing again here is he's taking us back to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is that our God is a very generous, gracious God. And if he were to pay, repay us an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a wound for a wound, a burn for a burn, none of us could stand. We would have been gone decades ago. That's not what he does. What the the law meant in Exodus 21, and what Jesus reminds us of here today, is that, that the law was a limit. It was spoken to government, not to individuals. Okay, spoken to the Israeli government, not to individuals. And it was saying to the government that you may not go beyond this. This is your limit. If someone's eye is poked out by his neighbor, then you may not take that that person's life. If their hand is damaged or cut off or something of that nature, you may not take their life. There is a limit here. So it was a boundary that, that God set up in Exodus for the people of Israel. You may go this far and no farther. See, it was a limit. It wasn't a prescription that this is what you must do. It was a limit. It's really important for us to understand. This isn't saying that we are justified when we exact revenge upon our neighbors or our friends. Or even our enemies. In fact, if you go on um, on down further, you're, we're going to find you know Jesus. In fact, it's in verse 43. You've heard that it was said, "You shall not love your na- or "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say, you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, even in the very next passage, he's saying, "It's not eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth." If you've got an enemy, if someone's persecuting, love them, love them, love them. Show them Jesus. So that's one of those first ones that is, that is misunderstood, that have been twisted and used for retaliations. It's no secret that we live in a world that is harsh, uh, that has grown uh, quite mean. We have mean tweets that are retweeted around the world, mean words. We've made, uh, made it a, 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 an acceptable thing to, to trash talk and say horrible things about each other in sporting events or, or in media. And it's, it's ridiculous and it's evil. It's not of God. And God is telling the people here, including his his disciples and all those that are gathered around through Jesus, to to look to the heart of the matter. Instead of seeking retaliation, don't look for eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And furthermore, don't resist the one who is evil. Well, then we go to another place. So what does it mean when when he says, do not resist the one who is evil? If taken out of context... This would leave Ukraine defenseless. One of our our new world heroes, Zelensky, would be way out of bounds. If this were taken literally, then our law enforcement officers would have not a leg to stand on. This isn't what that means this isn't a, an apologetic for pacifism. Think about Jesus in the courtyard. He'd been betrayed. He's been arrested. He's being beaten. He's been stripped. He's been being beaten with the cat 9 tails which had these little bits of metal and glass woven into the end of a leather whip, and it was just tearing his flesh apart, breaking bones, and And tearing his flesh. It was horrible. And and so that's what it could do to you. So Jesus is being beaten with that. He's got this crown of thorns with these inch long thorns stuck into his scalp. He's being spit upon. Jesus did not resist that evening. He could have spoken a word, and his abusers would have fallen dead. He could have swiped left and the whole crowd would disappear. He could do the same with any of us. That's not what he did. He accepted and he received what was given to him that night because it was for our good. The point of of these two sentences that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, did not resist the one who is evil, the the point of that is, is first, do not resist the wounds that come to you on behalf of Christ. Okay, there's two things. Do not resist the wounds that come to you on behalf of Christ. And second, um, do not resist the wounds, um, the actions that, that come to you, uh, not on behalf of Christ. But on behalf of Christ, that, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to get those uh, if you're going to follow Jesus, you will be rejected as Jesus was. If you're going to follow Jesus, you will have words that are, that are evil spoken against you, just as Jesus was. You will suffer just as Jesus did. He promised us that that's going to happen. And he's saying, don't resist that when that happens. But if there's other wounds and actions that, that come against you, he's, he's teaching us also that there's a place here for not resisting. Go back to one of my, my favorite stories, Leme You've got Jean Valjean, our hero. He's stolen a loaf of bread because his family is hungry, and yet he spends years in prison because of it. What Jesus is teaching us here in this place is is that that's, that's not a right application of this passage. If someone has stolen bread from you, or someone's stolen your chickens, or whatever, maybe they need those, and maybe you go an extra mile. We'll talk about that in a moment to feed them and make sure they've got what they need. In other words, he's saying you don't have to exact revenge upon those individuals. There's other avenues that you can take. You can remain in a relationship with them, you can run, or you can remain in a relationship. You don't have to take the words and the actions to heart. Uh, Instead of chewing on them, which brings about uh, spiritual indigestion, uh, you you can let them go and forgive the individual. You can continue to engage with them with a heart that aims to think the best of the other person. It gives the other person an opportunity perhaps to insult you, uh, to wound you some more. And nobody wants that, right? Our natural reaction is to run. Well, it's either exact revenge or to run, to fight or to flight. And and, and Jesus is saying, neither one of those. Remain. Um, Please don't hear me say. Don't hear me say that you should remain in an abusive relationship. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Do not remain in an abusive relationship. But if you've got a neighbor that's giving you fits, continue to love them. He, he goes on. He speaks of, of tunics and cloaks of, of Roman soldiers that could ask you to, to walk a mile, and he's saying to run two, to walk two miles. In this, in this time, you're allowed to sue someone for their tunic, their, their undershirt, their undergarment. Um, don't ask me why you want somebody's undergarment, but that's what you're allowed to do. But you weren't allowed to sue them for their, for their cloak, for their robe, uh, I, I guess because that was the, the thing that would keep you from the elements or something of that nature. And Jesus is saying, look, if somebody needs your your undershirt, your your tunic, give it to them. But if they need it, give them your cloak as well, be generous. A Roman soldier was allowed by law to ask a Jewish person to carry his armor for him up to a thousand paces. He couldn't require him to carry it for two miles. 1,000 paces is about a mile or so. You, you could do it for a mile, but you couldn't do it for two miles or three miles or anything more than that. So Jesus is saying, look, if a, if a Roman soldier or an enemy or somebody else comes to you and they ask you to walk with them for a 1,000 paces, walk with them too. If they ask you to get into a hard place in their life, do that, but stay in, in it a little bit longer. In other words, instead of running from the individual, remain in, in the relationship so what can happen there two things can happen one they can come to know christ just by you remaining in that relationship with them in the hard place they might come to know christ because you're showing them the light of jesus christ the same way that jesus remains in a relationship with you and i when we abuse him with our rejection when we abuse him with our our words when we abuse him with our lack of worship and he remains jesus is teaching us remain don't run from the relationship Second thing that, happened, that can happen, though, is that that individual can be God's sandpaper in your own life to shave off the rough edges in your life and sanctify you. That's a $30 theological word that just means making you more like Jesus. God will use those hard things and hard people and hard places in your world to make you more like him. I think of um, that scene in Lord of the Rings. It's at the end. The end of all things. Frodo and Sam are discussing Gollum. Smeagol. Gollum was their their um, their archenemy, their uh, the, the one that had made their their lives so miserable. And Frodo says, "Do you remember Gandalf's words? Even Gollum may have something yet to do. But for him, Sam, I could not have destroyed the ring. The quest would have been in vain, even at the bitter end. So let us forgive him." So the quest is achieved, and now all is over. I'm glad you are here with me, here at the end of all things, Sam." Gollum had made their lives miserable, and there are, I'm sure you can think of people that have made your lives miserable. Jesus is teaching us here in this hard passage to forgive those that have made your life hard, to forgive them and remain in relationship with them as much as you can. We see it in John 15, where Jesus instructs us to remain in the vine. The translation there might say abide, abide in Christ, abide in the vine. It might say dwell. The, this, it's the same thing, remain, dwell, abide, remain with Jesus as Jesus has remained with you, even in the hard, hard, hard places in your life. And in the same way that, that Jesus remains with you and with me and, and turns the other cheek when we abuse him and says, yep, keep, keep abusing me, I'm going to remain with you. Jesus asks us to remain in relationship with each other, even when it's hard. Again, not in abusive relationships, but to remain in hard relationships with other individuals. The problem is we live in a world that is a what's-in-it-for-me kind of world. But that isn't the life of Christ, nor is it the life that he's called you and I to. Piper said that this world is not meant for comfort. This world is meant for mission. The next one's meant for comfort. This one's meant for mission. And that number one mission that we have is that greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. And loving our neighbor as ourself and loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength means that we're also going to take up that greatest commission. For Matthew chapter 28. We remain in relationships. Remain in relationships, because that's what reveals Jesus Christ. If anyone forces you to go one mile, you go with him two miles, you remain in, in, in the relationship. In Matthew chapter, nine, chapter seven and verse nine, Or which one of you, if the son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him see my friends god has done that with us as hard as we make it in our relationship with him he remains and not just remains and walks with us one mile but he walks with us too he doesn't just give us a tunic he gives us a cloak. He doesn't give us a stone. He gives us bread. He doesn't give us a serpent. He gives us fish. And he is incredibly generous with us and asks us to be generous with, with each other. The greatest gift, the greatest generosity we have is time and love. And both of those things will cost you. A friend once came to me. He was a church planter, a pastor. And he had gone to a conference where they told him that if he, if he planted a church, he was going to lose all of his friends and within five years, and he didn't want to do that. And so he said, so Harrison, just help me. How do, I, how do I keep from losing all of my friends? And, and I, I looked at him with, with compassion, and, and I said, you can't. You can't. For If you're going to love like Jesus loved, you're going to face rejection like Jesus faced rejection. There's a statistic that typically... Uh, within five years, you've lost all of the friends that you started with as a church planter. And, and we all, when we go to plant, we all think we'll be different, and we're not. I told him, you can't. You can't, you can't avoid it. If you're going to love like Jesus, you're going to you're lose that. But you remain in it. We have to remain in it because we have to be local to love. What do I mean by that? Listen, we can send gifts, we can send help uh, to places like Ukraine, and we must. But if we're going to love someone in their lives, it's better if we're local. I don't mean only love the people and only do missions that are local. What I mean is we need to get in each other's lives, to sit across the table from each other, to sit on the bench with each other, to do life one-on-one with each other. We have to be local if we're going to love. Christianity is local. That's why Jesus left heaven and came to earth. Christianity is not an American thing. It's not an Annapolis thing. So our our, our love for our country, our love for our city doesn't inform our Christianity. It's the other way around. Our Christianity is to inform our love for our country and our city. Our Christianity is not it's not, it's not boundary-driven. So we, we love within our country, we love within our city, and we love outside. So we get to love the people of Ukraine through whatever way we can, and they're in desperate need. We get to love the people of Afghanistan, many of whom have come to our shores as refugees and so this afternoon, for example, from 1 to 3, we've got a, a presentation here in, in this sanctuary to talk about how we can love uh, our, our brothers and sisters that are refugees from Afghanistan. Uh, many of whom, uh, they left with the coats and clothes on their back. And they need tunics and they need cloaks. They need shoes and socks. They need places to live. They need jobs. They need a fresh start. And we can help them do that. So that's folks that have come here to us. We we can help love and remain in relationship through a learning center that that has begun here at EP in the afternoons, where we're we're coming alongside uh, students that fell behind during the pandemic. Uh, Many students were able to keep up. Some students, especially those that spoke another language from whom English is not their first language, or if it wasn't the first language for their parents, the parents couldn't help them with homework, those students fell way behind. And so uh, through Marshall Hope, Tatiana has developed uh, a learning center, which is meeting here in the afternoons. If you wanna know more about that, see uh, Lori Nelson, she can point you in that direction and connect you. They're in great need of people that will come alongside these students and teach them basic things, geography, uh, math, reading, art. Um, so those are the ways that we can come alongside people that from the outside to the inside, we're also sending people out. Uh, our wonderful, incredible Laura Parker. We'll be sending her out to love the people of Japan. Uh, sometime in April, I think, is when Laura's leaving. Yeah, and so uh, we're going to miss her here, but at the same time, through Laura, we get to have an impact and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Japan who have that, that desperate, desperate need for the gospel just as we do. Uh, inside EP, we have needs that we can come up and we can come along and, and side others and love locally. For example uh, we need um, 8 people there's maybe 200 people in here we need just 8 people to work in our preschool nursery during the 830 worship service. Just 8 8 all you got to do is call Bridget or email Bridget Johnson at epanapolis.org, and she'll be happy to put you to work. And those parents that are not out, able to come to a worship service at 830 now will then be able to do that, okay? Listen, you're taking care of two-year-olds. How hard can it be? <laughs> Truly, they, they can be the most lovable and they are absolutely the most forgiving. And it's so much fun. What I miss most about being an ordained pastor is that I don't get to work with two, three, four, five-year-olds on Sunday mornings anymore. That was the greatest fun. Uh, for me. we had a blast doing that. So I encourage you to do that. we need, we need three more at the 11 o'clock service. We need eight at the 8:30 service, three more at the 11 o'clock service service to enable parents to come to worship in, inside the sanctuary instead of being at home. We can help in that way. We can love locally. My friends, all of this reflects Jesus Christ. He is incredibly generous with us, and he asks us to be incredibly generous with each other. As we have loved him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we then love each other, our neighbor, as ourselves. That's where this passage takes us, with generous love. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your generous love for us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand more about what that means. Father, about the generosity of your own love towards us. And we pray that, you, that we would then take that love and give it to others for your glory and for their good. Father, if there's anyone here or listening online that has not uh, yet uh, learned what it means to love Jesus and follow Christ, that has not yet been forgiven of that sin, Father, I pray that even today, and their lives would be transformed, Lord, as they would experience the generosity of your forgiveness for them. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I, I want us to turn at this point to, a, um, to the most beautiful example of...